You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. And let me tell you right now, it's getting close to Christmas. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. And uh, for people out there that celebrate, you might have a hard time right now trying to find a gift. What are you going to get, someone? What are you going to get? Well, how about this? How about a subscription to The Athletic? It's the gift that keeps on giving. Speaking of which, from The Athletic, it is James Myrtle. James, would you agree on this? And yes, you are the senior managing editor for The Athletic. Uh, would you agree that a, a, a subscription to your, uh, to your place of employment is not a bad gift, bad thing to see in the stocking? Yep, that's that's what your wife or your girlfriend or mm-hmm. your mother, mom or dad or and that's what everyone's hoping for. So you could it can be yours. We're having a we're having a big sale. So I, I appreciate the plug there, Matt. And I appreciate it. Absolutely. Again, I've been a, uh, a day one subscriber to the Athletic. I highly recommend. I was uh, looking at your Twitter account, or as I like to say, stalking, and I noticed that you retweeted a list of all the goalies having the worst season so far. And number three, I see Peter Morazic, and number seven is Jack Campbell. Is it a shame when goalies leave the defensively sound system of Toronto, where they're all numbers are always going to fail when they leave the, the mature environment that is the Maple Leafs? Frederick Anderson's on the list too. I think he's oh. he's a little he's a little bit further down the list. Yeah, so it was a very subtle retweet by myself. Yeah, very subtle. That... <laughs> very subtle by you. We got to read between the lines. And and who's not on there is the current Leafs goaltender. So I mean, it's it's really been like what a charmed start for what they did in the off season, and it was the thing that that got the most criticism from the Leafs off season was what they did in goal and. You know, I, I think that the lesson is you, it's really, really difficult to predict with goaltenders what's going to happen. And I think that, you know, you got to be, you know, there was no, there was no guarantee that, that Jack Campbell was, was going to be the, the goaltender you want to commit to for five years at $5 million. I mean, I think that certainly at this point, you'd much rather have Matt Murray for two years at 4.68 than Jack Campbell at the contract that he's got. And, you know, I, I think this really could be part of a trend where you just see shorter-term goalie contracts and and less dollars. And you know, it's really incredible. There aren't you got Bobrovsky making ten million and uh, Vasilevsky at nine and a half, but there aren't that many goaltenders making big money. And I, I think it's going to be there's going to be a lot more tandems. There's going to be a lot less willingness from teams to commit. You're going to see a lot more teams doing like what Colorado did, where they they move on from their goalie that wins on the Stanley Cup to go with uh, Georgiev and 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 Francois, and you know it's um, it's going to be really really interesting to see if the the bet that the Leafs made pays off when it really matters in April. And I, I think the reason why everyone was critical is that everyone who was critical of it always believed the idea. What, what do we always hear? Well, uh, how are you going to do in the playoffs? Well, you got to be healthy and good goaltending. So it's always been the idea that you need high end goaltending to win high end games. However, the turnover now it feels like like is that not the case? Like where where did this come from, James? Because we're old enough to remember like the '90s and the early 2000s. Brodeur is playing 70 games. Hashik is standing on his head every night. You know, Cujo is taking the Leafs further than and else Ed Bell for like the. We were part of an era where the goalie, the single individual goalie, could swing a team and swing a season. And now it's like, yeah, don't worry about that guy. Just throw plug in this guy, and everything will be fine. 
Well, no. I mean, goaltending can still swing your season and swing your postseason, but how do you... There's there's no sure thing anymore. I mean, Vasilevsky is the closest thing to that, but if there's no one... If there's no one that you know for sure is going to be the guy, then how do you commit to them long term? How do you commit to them on big dollars when the cap matters? You you can't because okay, you don't then, really know. Then then l- let me interrupt you. Why do you think it is there are fewer sure things? I, I mean, maybe it's just cyclical. Why there's fewer sure things at that position than at any point that I remember watching hockey? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I honestly I haven't really thought too deeply about why that's happening. Um. You know, I it, it feels like right now in the NHL, there's kind of like an arms race between the goalies and the shooters. And this season, the shooters, and probably last season too, the shooters are winning and they're finding the holes. And for a long period of time, the goalies were the ones that were winning and save percentages kept going up and, and goal scoring kept going down. And, you know, it felt like we, people were talking about things like bigger nets and how are we ever, how are we going to how are we going to slim equipment down just because the goalies were so dominant and now the shooters have found a way to break through and maybe that's part of it you know i i know in matt murray's case one of the theories out there about why he struggled towards the end of his tenure in pittsburgh and and then when he went to ottawa is just that the league was evolving and it was evolving in a way that didn't suit his his style and i think that that evolution in the way that goals are scored and in offensive hockey and players like Austin Matthews and Tage Thompson and Connor McDavid, the way that they're scoring as a goaltender, you got to constantly adapt and the goaltenders that are going to be effective, it's going to change as, as the kind of goals that are being scored changes. So I don't know if that's, like I said, I mean, that's a really complicated question. Oh, it is. You know, it is. Uh, yeah. I, I think you could, you could write a, you could probably write a book answering that question about what's going on with goaltending right now because it's really fascinating. I'd be fine with 2,500 words. Give it to Jonas. Give it to Cloak. You know, throw it out there. You know, maybe 3,000 words. The holidays are coming. Uh, from The Athletic, we're joined by James Myrtle. James, are we headed for another Leafs Tampa playoffs? Like are we are we just with the, the the goofy playoff system in in the NHL? Like are we already there? Yeah. Oh, it, it, no. it's, uh, well, I mean, unless Boston falters, I don't really see like I don't see a challenger coming behind those the big three teams. And it's been so many years now. Like I mean, remember those series they were playing against Boston in uh, you know uh, 2018 and 2019? Like feels like so long ago, and yes. it was still the same thing with the division alignment. And the only way we got out of that, like imagine if there hadn't been the COVID seasons. Imagine there hadn't been the Canadian division. Imagine there hadn't been that bubble year where they played Columbus. We probably would be talking about a run of like five, six straight years where they're playing Boston or Tampa in the first round. And I think people would be getting pretty tired of it by now. And especially if the Leafs wouldn't have, have broken through. So I don't like the division heavy alignment. I think it really punishes teams that play in a really strong division like the Atlantic. And it rewards teams that are in some of the weaker divisions and they get an easier path through. Um, but it is what the Leafs are dealing with right now. And I think what they need to try and do is just look up the standings at Boston Boston's not going to get, you know, Linus Allmark's not going to play at a 940 save percentage for the rest of the year. So there is going to be a period of time where they take a step back and the Leafs are going to have to try and win their games when they play the Bruins and maybe they can they can make some inroads there and catch up to them.
Yeah, the hard part, they'd come off that crazy streak, and they're basically the same place against Boston as before. But you're right, yeah. there is going to be a regression in net for the uh, for the Boston Bruins. We were uh, talking about Christmas gifts uh, to give the Toronto Maple Leafs. I throw out to you the gift of stability on the second line. Is that the gift you would give Kyle Dubas, or would it be something else? Yeah, I think having like another high impact forward on the team, whether it's on the second line or it's someone that could potentially play center and you could, you could really build a really effective third line. Like some of the centers that are available out there, like, like Bo Horvat or Jonathan Taves or Ryan O'Reilly is a guy that gets talked about a lot. Like, can you imagine like if the Leafs could add a player like that, someone that could potentially play on, on the left wing of the first or the second line, but also could, could play a chip in at center on the third line a little bit. I think that that really changes the complexion of what the Leafs have up front. And, yeah, that would be at the top of my wish list at this point, especially with how well the goaltenders and the defense are playing at the moment. You know, we'll see where they're at in February. But for now, it feels like their biggest need is up front. I'm not going to ask you to give your favorite prop bet for second period shots tonight. Okay, good. Yeah, um, we'll get we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but it's really more just of a simple question. The Leafs are playing Tampa tonight, and when I went to the ye old FanDuel account, I noticed that Tampa that the Leafs were still the favorite. Now, Tampa, uh, Toronto has a better record, um, but Toronto's come off two losses in a row. When you look at this game tonight. Do the Leafs deserve to be the favorite as of right now? And again, this is more just a hockey question about where these two teams are at this point in the season. Yeah, you know, actually in my pool, I've got Vasilevsky as one of my goaltenders, and I, I'm not feeling super confident about starting him in this game, to be honest with you. And really? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I, I have Shesterkin. I have a couple other options I could put play in goal tonight, and it's hold on, thinking, wait, wait. You just you you got Shesterkin and Vasilevsky. Yeah, how I bad are your two. forwards? Like, like, <laughs> like, where's your weakness? I I really believe in fantasy hockey that you go big in goal, and then and then you can find buried treasure in in terms of forwards. And like, I've picked up some really good forwards on on the waiver wire this year, and I'm in first place, so I'm oh, feeling pretty. Nice. I'm feeling pretty good about my team. So. <laughs> Even though, yeah, I mean, there was it, it was a ripple in the draft one. My first two picks were both goalies, and I got Shesterkin and Vasilevsky. Anyway, that's a long way of getting to my point, which is I don't think I'm going to play Vasilevsky tonight just because I feel like, you know, the Leafs have lost a couple of games. I think this could be one of those games where they, the, the, the big guns really show up and, and put a bunch of goals in, and Vasilevsky's been kind of a little bit up and down this year. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, Tampa's been coming on a little bit late. Pierre LeBron wrote about that uh, this morning, just about how they're putting things together. And, you know, I think there's probably going to be a playoff-like atmosphere uh, at Scotiabank Arena tonight. Don't want a playoff atmosphere. I want a different team. I want a bad team <laughs> taking on the Maple Leafs. By the way, I hope you're wrong, James. I bet $18.47 on the Lightning on the money line. I have a rule. If the Lightning are an underdog and Vasilevsky is starting in net, I'm just betting on Tampa every time. Yeah. My follow-up is how much did all your friends in your hockey draft, how much did they hate you when you took both those goalies? Well, it's always there's always a scramble where everyone else starts grabbing goalies. And as we talked about on the top of the show, there aren't that many sure things. No. So people were people were taking some pretty interesting names high up on the list. As you know, you don't want to end up without a goaltender, right? I mean, it's the worst thing, and you're going to end up wearing, you know relying on a. Merzlikens or someone like that who's really struggling right now. So it's, uh, 
I don't know. I, I I feel like I'm the only one in my pool that feels that way. I always draft like three or four. Go. I got Samsonov. He's been fantastic for me when he's been healthy. Yep. I got him like right at the very end of the pool. I always pick a lot of goaltenders, and I that's kind of the way that my team is built. And then and then I just cycle through a lot of defensemen and forwards that I can find because I, I usually I feel like you can find a lot of value. There's just so many more options. You're the op- for st- starting goalies, there just aren't that many. You're the opposite of Kyle Dubas. You 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 built your fantasy team the exact opposite way. Dubis like Dubis would not uh, approve of your roster construction. Well, he doesn't get rewarded for having multiple starting goalies on the same team and, and racking up saves <laughs> Fair point. and wins. Fair point. So it's yeah. In that way, fantasy hockey doesn't really mirror the NHL that yeah. well. James, always appreciate it. It's been ages. Uh, wishing you and family nothing, nothing but the best. Hope you get a little bit of uh, of time off, and uh, we will talk soon. And again, everyone, if you're looking for a Christmas gift, subscribe to the Athletic. It's fantastic. Thanks so much, James. Merry Christmas, Matt. Yeah, good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you as well, James Myrtle, senior managing editor with the Athletic. By the way, speaking of fantasy, and this shouldn't come as a shock because I drafted him on my team. Jonathan Taylor is now out for the year. So the guy who had Javante Williams and like Josh, every running back I drafted, I have to go back and look at it. Every running back I drafted, all injured, all like out. Like I, I now, Jonathan Taylor, Adam Schefter tweeting out he's uh, uh, Taylor's on the IR. He's done for the year. What a rough go in my, in one, some of my leagues. Going ten and four. Here we go. Lamar Jackson goes down. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Here comes Josh going at the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Done. I hate fantasy that football. That is it. I hate it. The whole season just for one elimination. Stupid. Stupid. All that money down the drain. Yeah. Like, listen, fantasy football, I love the draft. Everything else stinks. And by the way, though, if you want to hear someone really complain, go back and listen on the podcast, the first segment on First Up this morning. Carlo was in a mood because he got eliminated from his fantasy football <laughs> team because of the uh, um, and just upset about Jalen Hurts. But yeah, uh, Carlo apparently is out of his fantasy league. Like so many of us. Yeah. I, I know so many people that are disgruntled Stupid. on this Tuesday so to dumb. know that they're done. Yeah. Even after going a mere, yeah. <laughs> mere record or, or insane record. Mm-hmm. All right. On the other side, we will get into the report cause. We'll let you know how did I do with my uh, week 15 uh bets, picks for my confidence, the confidence picks. Also, speaking of First Up, a reminder to the two or three people still alive in the First Up Football Survivor Pool on now at tsn1050.ca. Just go on there, make your pick. Last person standing will score a free set of Rodex tires along with install at your local Cal Tire as well as 2500 bucks in cash. TSN 1050's First Up Football Survivor Pool sponsored by Rodex, an exclusive Cal Tire brand. How did I do on the report cause we will find out next welcome back everybody this is gameplay i'm your host matthew cause hope everyone is having a good tuesday want to remind everyone that tomorrow's classic Lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $5 million, and the gold ball jackpot is an estimated $38 million. Text 649 and your name 
to 105050 for your chance to win $100 in Lotto 649 tickets with Encore. Standard message rates apply to all entries. Lotto 649, find your possible. Now, we do this each and every Tuesday. We haven't done it in a while because of the World Cup, but we do this every Tuesday. We look back. How did I do with my NFL confidence picks? We put it all together. Sometimes I get praise. More often than not this year, I get shamed. Let's see how I did with the report cause. Maddie sure was confident heading into the weekend. I am too smart. I am too smart. But now, after a full slate of games, let's see how he did. Jeez, I never seen a guy stand up to that kind of punishment. It's time for the Tuesday Confidence Pool Report Cause. Me fail English? That's impossible. Read it and weep. <laughs> Four and a half. That's too much for Taylor Heineke. Give me the Giants to lose, but cover. I mean, I got it. The Bengals' rush defense shut down Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. I've taken the Bengals' three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Tampa. I like to win. At home against Arizona. Russell Wilson looked good against Kansas City. Cards have lost three in a row, five of their last six. Woof, taking the Broncos. Things are good. They really are. Things are really good. It's Belichick against his former protege in, uh, in McDaniels. Give me Belichick. Give me the Patriots. One point underdog on the road against Vegas. Here comes the pain. Sam Darnold holds on the ball way too long. I don't trust that going up against T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward. Pittsburgh's got three and two in their last five. Their two losses were by two and seven. Give me the Steelers. Yeah, they wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. That's the problem. I ain't right back. Let's go. The last time we saw New Orleans, they choked the last three minutes against the Bucks. Give me Atlanta. Give me the four and a half points. Dude, we just escaped by the skin of our teeth. Can the Jets exploit a really bad defense? No, they can't. Give me the Lions against the Jets team that's lost three of their last four. This is going too well. Bears are coming off a bye week. We get healthier Justin Fields. I'm sorry, when he gets beyond seven points, uh, when a home team is more than a seven-point underdog, it's hard to take the favorite. Give me the Bears, nine points. Well, that's dang. Justin Tucker keeps games close. I will take the Ravens. I'm getting them as a two-and-a-half-point underdog in the road at Cleveland. Confidence level nine. Didn't see that coming. The Tennessee Titans defense has allowed the second most passing yards per game of any team in the NFL. The Titans are minus 35 in point differential. Give me the Chargers all day. We should we should push on. Who is in a funk? He's been sacked nine times in the last three games. Buffalo still has the second best point differential in the entire NFL. Give me the Bills. About that. Trevor Lawrence, last five games. Ten touchdowns, no interceptions. Averaging over 250 yards per game. Completed over 73% of his passes. Give me the Jags. Oh, now who's smart? When has anyone said at any point this year, look out for the Colts offense. They're making it rain. Ah, oh, they're like the greatest show on turf. No. Give me the Vikings. Four and a half point favorite at home. Now that I didn't expect. L.A., they got their nice win with Baker Mayfield against the Raiders. That's it. That's their Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Rodgers and the Packers had a week off. Rodgers to Christian Watson is becoming a real thing. Give me the pack. Turn it around. Am I taking the Chiefs as a 14-point road favorite? Hells yes, I am. They win. They destroy them. They were up 27-0 last week against Denver. Then they took their foot off the gas. They're not going to do it this week. Casey wins. Wins big. Confidence level 15. Gee, I missed that one.
Well, well, well. Seemed that little time off actually paid off for me. Nice job, uh, Nick McVicker, putting that together. Nine, five, and one. Not so shabby, if I do say so myself. I still don't know how the Chiefs didn't win by 30. Matt, I know there's been the rough goes, the positive, the green check marks, but you know what I have to give you? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That is a much deserve. Yes, much needed. Much needed. <laughs> <laughs> the points were needed. I feel bad for you for the Chiefs, but that's just how it is. Casey had, had, had 300 more yards of offense. Mahomes had five incompletions. How the hell? I didn't watch that game, obviously. How the hell did that game go to overtime? Um yeah, that, that one to me is maybe is maybe the biggest shocker of them all. But nine five and one, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm looking forward to the other the other side from Veasan. Uh, ben Fox is going to be joining the show, VP of Digital Content, and he did an article on the top five sports betting moments of 2022. And this is a fascinating read. This isn't about oh a bad beat that happened at the end because the tight end dropped the ball. A lot of the bad or a lot of the top sports betting moments have nothing to do with what happens on the field of play. So we will get into that in just a moment. I'm Matthew Cos. You are listening to Gameplay. We'll do that after traffic. Traffic is brought to you by JanPro, proudly serving Canadian businesses for over 25 years. Put your trust in JanPro, the leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Visit janpro.ca today. Now, time for traffic. Around these parts here on Gameplay, we're a big fan of VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, the first 24-7 broadcast network dedicated exclusively to sports betting. Most of the guests we have on, actually pretty much all of them, are winners on this show. And there was a really cool article put out about the top five sports betting moments of 2022. And I went back and I read the column, and so many of them are just these really cool sports stories. Even if you're not hardcore betting person, these were moments that had just huge impact in the sports world. And Ben Fox, the VP of Digital Content at VSEN, who wrote the article, is on the line with us now to chat about it. Ben, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was going to say, it's too bad I wrote it a week ago. I think I need to rip it up and uh, add about three that happened this past weekend. Oh, my God. We could we could literally just do the next two. You could write 4,000 words on when Jacoby Myers <laughs> threw the ball to Mac Jones. Like, you know, the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. the, the Colts game. The, the By the way, you know what? The, and I was talking about this yesterday. There was so much football on Sunday. No one cares that Justin Herbert, you know, drove the length of the field in under a minute with no timeouts to beat the division-leading Titans. That's how crazy this last weekend of football was. Oh, it was insane. I think everybody forgot that the Bills-Dolphins was a fantastic oh. game. Now, it didn't have any insane 33-point comebacks or anything like that, but that was one of the top games of the weekend that got completely lost. And obviously the World Cup final, yeah. I'm a big soccer fan, it was absolutely fantastic, both from a watching and betting perspective. And on that Raiders game, I'll just say one person had a $330,000 bet on the Raiders minus one. What? So you can imagine what their heart rate was oh <laughs> uh, on that final play. Oh, my God. Speaking of which, let's start here. Um, if we're talking about the top sports betting moments of this last year, how can we not discuss the man from Houston, Mattress Mack? Yeah, Mattress Mac is, I think, fascinating on many levels, right? There's some people love him, some people hate him. There aren't a lot of people in between. I feel, I feel like you're kind of uh, 
on one side of the fence. He's almost found a loophole in the system. Um, I've said a lot, this is kind of like the, the Seinfeld where the guy doesn't go on dates with Elaine because he can find a, you know, found a loophole in the dating <laughs> yes, system. Yes, that's right. It's but not a date. Mattress, Mattress Mac has found a loophole in the betting system. Uh, basically, he gets down these very large wagers. Uh, and for people who don't know, he bet a ton of money, basically $10 million in futures wagers on the Houston Astros to win the World Series. He owns a large furniture store. Um, in Houston, this is why he has the nickname Mattress Mac, because he sells a lot of mattresses. And generally, he has all of this money. So he had about $10 million to win around $75 million if the Houston Astros won the World Series. And on the other side of that, he has rebates, basically, or promotions at his store. So if the Astros win, you get refunded. I think if this one was like if you bought a $3,000 mattress, it ended up being free. Uh, or he gave you another credit, something like that. So in other words, he doesn't necessarily come out that far ahead in terms of the economics. Either he sells a lot of mattresses or he wins the bets. But A, he gets all the bets down, which some of these sharper bettors who are limited at books don't like. And then B, it's just a ton of positive promotion, right, for the store. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that many other mattress stores nationally, uh, but I know Mattress Max in Houston and I know a ton of people do, too, with all the positive publicity he's gotten. So a fascinating story. He's, he's lost a lot of these big bets as well. But this was certainly one that he, uh, that he won. And he had a $3 million wager at 10 to 1 at Caesars, uh, which paid out $30 million. And look, this was something that Caesars discussed on their fourth quarter financial call. Nope. That's how important this actual bet was that they lost significant financial impact for them just a really interesting betting story this year yeah obviously they were uh, caesars was rooting for philly um going to the and you're right i know two mattress stores sleep country canada and mattress mac that's it and the, <laughs> right. the first one because right. it's the, the jingle why buy a mattress anywhere else which is a clever line it's like huh oh, by that logic why would i go anywhere else anyway um Maybe one of the other big ones, and what I liked about this is you put the context in it. Saudi Arabia beating Argentina to kick off the World Cup, and then Argentina wins it all. Um, as you write your article, that was the equivalent of a 16 seed upsetting a one seed. Yeah, so again, another event that kind of will be lost a little bit to history, right? But Saudi Arabia beat the World Cup champions, right? I mean, they beat Argentina in the first game, and obviously it's a long way now with Argentina winning it all, but that was an absolute stunner. There was a chance Argentina didn't advance out of the group stage, which would have been a stunner. The Saudi Arabia is 25-1 to 1 on the money line, and what I do like about gambling is that since everything is odds-related, there are some apples-to-apples apples comparisons here, and kind of the closest that I could see, uh, that I could find that was pretty relevant was UMBC, the first 16 seed back in 2018 that upset Virginia. They were also 25 to one on the money line. So I think for people unfamiliar with soccer, it always helps to kind of put into yeah. context, okay, just how big an upset was this? Well, there's been one 16 seed to beat a one seed. Uh, and this was, you know, Saudi Arabia with just two goals in five minutes. I mean, it, it was just an insane performance, but just kind of a wild event that, like you said, I think there's a lot of sports events that now people are starting to ask about these sports betting ramifications and just what were the odds and all that. 
But these are all great sports stories as well. Speaking of great stories, one that you included, and again, joined by Ben Fox, VP of Digital Content at VEASAN, happened almost a year ago, and I had completely forgot about it. If you remind the audience, just all the lead-up to the Chargers-Raiders game that went into overtime, and goofy Brendan Staley, and, and how the Jags, and the Colts, and the Steelers, and the Ravens, and all these teams were tangentially all involved in it. That was such a wild game. Absolute insanity. Uh, now, again, this happened on Sunday, January 9th, right? So we're all the way back at the beginning of the year in week 18. I think the NFL has done a great job of having those divisional matchups in the final week. And this was certainly one with the Chargers and the Raiders. And basically, there was a ton. I think Pat McAfee was talking about it. Everyone was talking about the fact that if the game ended in a tie, if certain things early in the day went certain ways, and that was the Colts had to lose to the Jaguars. The Jaguars were a 14-and-a-half-point underdog. And the Steelers were a three-point underdog. That was uh, with Ben Roethlisberger and his noodle arm. Somehow beat the Ravens as well in overtime. The Chargers and the Raiders could both make the playoffs if the game ended in a tie. So there was a lot of talk about, well, are they just going to take knees for 60 minutes? Uh, obviously, that wasn't going to happen. But just the way that that played out and then in gambling there's so many different ways to attack a game and so people were parlaying the Jaguars money line with that in a tie ending with the first half in a tie the second half of that game in a tie like they were parlaying all of this stuff together and the liability for sports books was absolutely astronomical and it got to overtime right Justin Herbert had that ridiculous I think they converted you know he threw 15 straight times or something that the Chargers were down 15 in the fourth quarter. They come back to tie it. And then in, in overtime, it looks like they will tie the game. And, of course, Brandon Staley takes that timeout with under a minute left. They end up kicking the field goal. The Raiders make it. Again, a 47-yard field goal, so not a gimme. And that really saves sportsbooks because everyone and their brother was parlaying something to a tie in this game. It really would have been a, a disaster for books. They would have opened the next day, as they always do. But – it would have been a serious, you know, seven figures at just about every sports book yeah. uh, that I spoke with. It was just would have been a massive, massive result and sports betting story. It was it was fascinating and it was absolute chaos on the last week of last NFL season. Yeah, and it was a great game, especially anyone on Twitter, just because we're all rooting for the same thing and it came so close. Oh, that was a glorious game. And uh, that's why I appreciated the article because it sort of brought back some of those memories. I suggest everyone go to VEASAN, check out the man's work. Uh, there's so much great content, so many great guests that we've had uh, because of VEASAN. And Ben, really appreciate you taking the time to join the show today. Of course, anytime. Absolutely. Take care. That is Ben Fox, VP of Digital Content at VEASAN. I didn't really talk about it too much because the game itself kind of stunk. The Rams lose 24-12 to the Packers. And my first thought is, what a horrible title defense for the Rams. And for me, this stinks just as a football fan. It's, it's not that I want to see the same team win over and over, but what I do want is I want the defending champs to go out the right way. Remember the Raptors after Kawhi left and everyone thought they were done and, you know, and then they had to go through everything with COVID and a hell of a title defense by the Raptors. And the Rams are now 4-10. and 10. They joined the Broncos, 1999 Broncos, as the only defending champs to lose at least 10 games in a season. And the difference there, 
John Elway retired. I know Matt Stafford's out now, but he started the year with the team. And, I mean, think about, like, when the Bucks won the Super Bowl. What happened the next year? They went 13-4. and They won a playoff game. They lost by three to the Rams. KC, they went back to the Super Bowl the year after they won, and then they lost to the Bucks. Bucks killed them because of no pass protection on Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, for me as a football fan, I want the defending champs to go out in style. This is a whimper. Packers still thinking playoffs. They got the Dolphins, Vikings, and Lions. Not an easy schedule. A harder schedule than I guess we thought. But the Dolphins, um, three-game losing streak. And for the Packers, they got the Lions, Seahawks, Commanders in front of them in the standings. So, um, you know, that, especially that game against the Lions to end the year could be a lot. Like I, I don't know about you, Josh. I don't think anyone thought at the beginning of the year that Green Bay-Detroit at the end of the season would have any implications. Not at all. I guess a lot of people believed that the Packers were, oh, they're a Sherlock. They're the betting favorite uh, to win the division. Aaron Rodgers is going to lead them to the promised land. Yeah. Yes, they don't have the receivers, but it doesn't matter. They have Aaron Rodgers. Now yeah. look. Yeah. They're, they're just trying to jump in. And they need, they need a lot of scenarios to go their way. Yeah. The simple is the, the win out. They have to win every game from now on yes. to get to that point. Yeah. They got, they so got to win out. Do they still need some Like, if they win out, uh, they don't control their own destiny, or do they? If they win out, would they get in, or they, they no. would still need some help from other teams? They would need yeah. some help from, from but, all over the NFC. By the Losses, way, the, ties. the Giants in Washington, Seattle, they could lose all their games. None, you know, I mean, the Giants and, and Seattle. And still make it in. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, on the other side, sound of the day, um, Zach Lowe from ESPN talking about OG Ananobi, and we get you set for the Leafs and the Lightning. We will do that next. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. 21, can you do something for me? As crazy as the Raptors championship celebration parade was... And it was crazy. Argentina might have just topped the Raptors. I am uh, seeing the reporting from the celebration, and I'll just read you this tweet. The crowds in Argentina were so massive that the team had to evacuate the parade by helicopter. That is some end of Vietnam sort of situation where it's like, guys, we can't get out by land. We have to get out by air. And I see producer Nick McVicker. Are you are you hopping on? Did you have a thought there, or or uh, are you getting ready for uh, for overdrive? No, I just wanted to add in the reason that they had to go on helicopter was because mm. they had people jumping from bridges onto the team bus. What? Yep. Oh my God. Okay. So, oh my. That's what God. happens when yes, Nico Cantor is uh, the oh. one who's reporting that, and he has video of it. People were jumping off of like bridges onto the bus. Some people weren't very coordinated and were missing the bus, unfortunately. So yeah. the team just basically said, yeah, we're going to go up into uh, helicopters right. and get away from this. You want, do you want to hear my limited fake uh, helicopter impersonation? Here we go. And there it is. That, that was... I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm stunned. That is my, uh, that is my what helicopter. What were you using there, Matt? That was uh, my hands was with my, my rock-hard chest. It was it was chest day today. Matt, uh, for an, day. everybody that can't yeah. see Matt right now, he's looking yeah. very chiseled. Yeah, he is. If uh, chiseled is Latin for doughy. <laughs> All right, we do this at the end of each and every show. It is time now for Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day, Sound of the Day. Here comes the Sound of the Day. 
And for Sound of the Day, let's go to Zach Lowe, one of the best NBA reporters. And this conversation's going to start swirling a little bit until the team starts winning, but how um, the entire NBA would be all over getting OG Ananobi. I still think the Raptors are going to stabilize. All of that. I got bad news for Knicks fans in this sense. If that if those things ever change, the entire league wants OG Ananobi. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. And if he ever gets traded, the price in picks or whatever is going to surprise people because it might be on par almost with what the Cavs gave up for Donovan Mitchell. Like, it's going to be a lot if it ever happens. This is what happens when the team loses six in a row. And the real issue with the Raptors, it's the same problems over and over again. Um, that since Kawhi Leonard left, the Raptors have ranked 15th, 16th, 16th, and now 14th, feels worse, in offensive efficiency. The only team that uses ISO on their offense more than the Raptors are the Mavericks. And they have Luka Doncic. Half-court offense, the Raptors are 27th. The only teams worse, the Hornets, the Spurs, and the Rockets. Those are the teams truly tanking. And this show will not be pro-tank. We are not pro-tank. It is way, way too early and ridiculous for anything like that. Um, I'd still want to see the team go out and make a move. Be aggressive. There is enough talent on the Raptors. Like the, the ceiling for them is high enough where they, they can get to a second round or very least scare the hell out of an opponent in the second round of the playoffs. Matt, earlier in the, in the 2 o'clock hour, we were discussing our Christmas gifts, and we both agreed that three-point shooting uh-huh. is the, the ultimate gift and present that they would want right now. Is there anyone in the league like Boyan Bogdanovich? Um, but I, I threw out there like just two names that came to mind. One guy I always liked is Eric Gordon, yeah. and I mean his numbers could be even better now if he leaves Houston. Buddy Heald, who's a little bit younger, he's twenty nine. Eric Gordon is very much a stopgap at the at thirty three years old. Um, but you know the funny thing is about Buddy Heald is what do the Pacers do? They're winning a hell of a lot more. A lot of it thanks to uh, uh, Benedict Mathun, and I can never pronounce his last name from Canada. Um, but I don't, I don't know what the Pacers are going to do. So that that's the topic as well. Yeah. And bench scoring. Bench mm-hmm. scoring is another But if you get like an Eric Gordon one that's of those like a guys. That's like stocking stuffer. Yeah, but if you get one of those guys if they start then you're going to get a guy that was starting onto the bench, onto the bench. and so just sort of to lead the charge. Yeah, the domino effect would be the bench should just get better. Um tonight it is the the Maple Leafs taking on Tampa. You know, and it's, this game always feels a little bit more and in the standings, remember Tampa has two games in hand. And they're within three points of the Toronto Maple Leafs for second in the Atlantic. Uh, the Lightning have played 15 of their 21 games at home, so maybe there's going to be a bit of a regression for them. At Tampa, they went in streak to five after they beat Montreal. The Leafs have lost two in a row. And, uh, you know, just whenever they take on Vasilevsky and the Lightning, all eyes are going to be on it. I hope I'm wrong. I bet like 18 bucks on the Lightning on the money line, just based on the fact that the Lightning are an underdog. And they got Vasilevsky and Nett. I have to bet Tampa. The Boston Bruins were an underdog mm-hmm. when they came to Toronto back a couple months ago. And I know. the Maple Leafs won 2-1. to one. Yes. That was a huge... And that was one of the Bruins... I think that was the third loss of the season for them. Yeah. So they came into Scotiabank Arena. They came in poised, but it was the Maple Leafs coming up at the end of it. And I got my Ovechkin pick wrong a couple of days ago, plus odds. Yeah. Austin Matthews is in plus odds tonight to score. All so right. 
Jump on that. There's a look at that. Gameplay on TSN 1050 brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Overdrive. Jonas Siegel, Frankie Corrado, and Brian Hayes next.